Paladins get to be all righteous and holier than thou. And the the most annoying thing is a paladin that's constantly like like making your group feel bad for doing like weird shit they want to do. Because if they have a chaotic person in the group, they're they're just constantly fighting. Right? Um, but so you I need you need someone to balance out that paladin. Like you need yeah. someone that says like no. Your gods, you're getting us into all this shit. I'm the yeah. one getting us out. Someone has to humble that power. Yeah. Sure. Welcome to Beyond the Pixel, episode eight. I'm technical designer Luis Fernando Sandrin, and joining me as always, digital artist Ken Ha. What's up? Yeah, I skipped a week, but I didn't what? skip a beat. <laughs> Just comes back right back going, at dude? you, baby. I'm doing good. What are we gonna talk about today? I just cut the music short because I was too full of myself. Never mind. I'll fix it in post. <laughs> We're talking about uh, one of my all-time greatest favorite games. Uh, I think one of the greatest games ever invented. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, man. Have you played D&D &D at all? Like, or any <laughs> of the uh, other types of tabletop like role-playing games? You know the answer to this question because I've played D&D &D with you. That's true. That's true. I was setting you, <laughs> you up. Have, you have, you... <laughs> Dude, okay, so so the reason I wanted to talk about it is because um, D and D had an initial resurgence with Critical Role. I, you're familiar with Critical Role, right? Run by the legendary Matt Mercer. Uh, pretend I'm not. Pretend you're not. Well, Matt Mercer and and his six amazing voice actor buddies started a campaign a while ago called uh on, on their channel critical role um and it's fantastic because one matt mercer is a extremely talented dm and puts a ton of work into it and two everybody can do legit video game fantasy like voice acting yeah. matt mercer <laughs> and so, known known for being the voice of leon s kennedy and resident mm -hmm. evil 4 among we other have, things, um, Last of Us star, I believe Ashley Johnson is in The Last of Us, right? Yeah. Am I correct about that? You're correct. Um, our own game, Gears of War, uh, Laura Bailey, I believe is 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 Kate. Mm -hmm. um, that is and correct. So there's a, there's also a, every other female character. In every any other, game yeah. ever. You need a strong, like <laughs> female character voice. Laura Bailey is yeah. bottom. Abby, right? and from Last of Us Part Two as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyways, it's incredible to have those guys like all in one set. And so Critical Role, like the the phenomenon started maybe a few years ago, actually, when Critical Role like first did their initial episodes. Um, and then it just grew and grew. And and then like the the tabletop gaming sec like uh, genre saw like a ridiculously large increase in its like uh, audience members as well as uh, uh, like sales and stuff to the point now that like. PAX has its own tabletop section just for D&D uh, &D types of things, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was really, really huge. And then I think at a certain point that that plateaued for a little bit, not because that uh, Critical Role was falling off. I, in fact, Critical Role is still growing, I think, just not at the same, same rate. They have a huge audience. But I think the thing now that I'm really excited about is that that's opened the door to these... Um, even more in-depth Dungeons and Dragons like streamers to come out, um, and the one that I particularly wanted to point out is the one that I'm like I'm so freaking hyped about it. It's called uh, it's run by this guy um, on Twitch called Arcadum. 
Mm. Right. So, um, I, like, first, first, I guess, got to say that, uh, like, Critical Role is amazing. I love Matt Mercer. And there's, I only have to point that out because there's a lot of really weird, kind of nerdy hate right now against some of the Critical Role people. Like, they get a lot of messed up comments sometimes, especially on, like, weird sites like, Twitch, like Twitter and stuff. What, what? And I, I, it's not founded. I, I will summarize some of the basic calling points that they've made out. But, I, like I said, I don't agree with them. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is they call it the Matt Mercer effect, which I find so insulting. And it's the idea that people have been watching Critical Role uh, and their expectations are now so high that uh f because from dms like matt mercer that when other people play their own D, D games they find their players are have an over expectation on how good the the games are supposed to be mm. and people are starting to like hate on that um they hate it because it's so good they hate the fact that matt mercer is so good that has uh, set a high expectation on themselves this is that's the premise which it's essentially just a very insecure premise. There's like a million ways to dissect it. For example, like you shouldn't be comparing yourselves to someone else in the first place. That's just like a very kind deeply of the point of a role answer. model as well. Is, is, is exactly here, here's someone that you can like shoot to to aim for. Yeah, it's like saying it's like saying Michael Jordan has How made it harder for all <laughs> basketball players because he's so good. Like it's 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 ridiculous when you think about it, but yeah. I think. Some of the comments aren't really rooted in 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 that. I think a lot of the comments is just from part of them growing so large now that the yeah. that the relatively minuscule percentage of unhappy people mm -hmm. has grown. Even if it's like point zero zero one percent, you multiply that by they probably have millions of fans yeah. now. You're gonna get a few of them. It's the people but, that are also blaming like Stephen Curry for like breaking basketball. Like, mm -hmm. Basketball doesn't work if you keep shooting like from three point Why? line and nailing Stop. every single shot. Stop shooting! Stop <laughs> shooting, boy! <laughs> you shouldn't be making um, all these shots. <laughs> so uh, that's just all to push that all aside because I um, the reason I wanted to do is just because I wanted to bring up the point that there was just some stuff that Critical wasn't filling. Mm -hmm. um, one, they have uh, 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 six incredible players. Right, and Matt Mercer is an incredible DM, and the focus has is almost exclusively on the voice acting and the performance part of it, which is very impressive, right? But the other part that I freaking love about D and D is like the world building and the fact that you can create a very complicated world, and then there's so, there's so much like complexity that can go into it, and that's exactly what dude, that's exactly what Arcadum and um, his world's called Verum has mm -hmm. brought so to give you uh an example uh i would say like there's probably 30 of the top twitch streamers right now probably more than that he's running he's running eight campaigns with all of them with top streamers i don't think there's anyone on there that streams for less than a thousand maybe one or two people this is this but, is like, his career this is his career like you, you know top streamer moon moon he's playing on that he's a integral part of it um, on top of this eight campaigns that he's running, right? He runs on Discord. I I've never actually seen this ever before. He runs something called the Living World, which is a living D&D RPG world. He set up the entire lore and the set of events, and he has over 250 plus people playing D&D in his world using his specially made up classes, all the 
all the divinity, all the gods, right? And the, what's so crazy is that with these eight streams that he's running right now, they're all interconnected in the exact same living world. So the people playing in the living world, 250, the 250 like Discord players, mm-hmm. their actions impact the stream players and vice versa. And all the stream How players you keep interact with each other. It's it's That's amazing. insane. He has a team of d- dungeon masters that he trains in their world. Oh, and he's wow. been building up. He's been building up this moment with the um, streamers for like two years. Like he literally started planning the steps back when he was like he was a very t- small time streamer, and he and he started uh, like the living world which he built first. Right. It's it's such an amazing story because first the guy is awesome. He's just he's like like he is our the nerds nerd. You know, the guy that gets every reference that you're talking about, just loves everything. His whole goal is just to introduce more people to, to D&D, just like Matt Mercy, right? But the thing is, his world is so crazily intricate. And um, his combat system is so cool. Like, he introduced these boss fights that are, that are kind of like, they blew my mind because I thought Matt Mercer's stuff was awesome. And it is. His stuff is by the books, like, awesome. Um, but this guy brings in his own custom homemade rules that make the fight so much more interesting. Mm. And he has like a team of artists, which I am I am one of them, by the way. I have joined oh, okay. this like Discord community, fell in you love joined, with the world. You joined a cadre of artists. <laughs> cadre of artists. I'm on their artist hit squad. I, I watch streams and I paint and stuff like that. It's, it's freaking awesome. Um, but I, I, that, that, I think that is the resurgence of like the next wave of... Uh, like Matt Mercer contemporaries, you know. Mm. Well, this he, gentleman he sounds like, like he's session. he's trying to take a chip off of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's old book. Dude, absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully, his, his without the racism, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's racism in in D and D. You know, the races hate each other. It's a they're they're it's they're, they're, the... they're they're getting that uh, they're getting some of the more real world aspects of that out of D and D recently, at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Hopefully, that's that's it's like it's not, it's not only racism. the dark-skinned races that are barbaric <laughs> for no, no reason. No, 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 no. His yeah. his world is amazing. Um, so one, so first off, what's crazy is that um, they're entering this large uh, climactic moment in their campaign right now, where all the different campaigns are uh, meet are converging into one storyline point. Oh. Just like we were talking about in gameplay, how you can have multiple branching stuff, but that all needs to pinpoint down back into like a central area. Almost like a, what's that Nintendo game that came out? Octopath Traveler? Yes. Yeah. Kind of like that. Um, but, uh, what's so cool is that, uh, first off the, he has what's called like a, a home, home camp where the heroes are all gathering. That's their heroic, like home base called mm. last camp, mm. last dad. Um, and last what's funny, dead. he'll have, yeah, it's it's exactly how it's uh, it's so badass. And what's funny is that like if one campaign is you know streaming and they're doing their campaign at the time, and their characters visit the camp, mm. they'll often have other people from the other streams, like t- compl- completely different groups, uh, join join them and and role play them live <laughs> in camp. So you have these people that are making like guest appearances out of nowhere, and they're like pl- in character, you know, they oh, affect the man. roles and stuff. And um, one of my favorite, I, I'm just, this, this, most of this this podcast is going to be like fanboying over the stuff that just happened. <laughs> but um, so we we're just talking about um, Moon Moon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, his campaign 
was fighting this massive boss and then for some for some you know uh in story reason another character's another uh character from another campaign entered that boss fight oh but because he accidentally revealed uh out loud because he was everyone's like what the hell are you doing here and he's like well i just came from this place and his old party was just in like this super secret uh important artifact dungeon that Mm -hmm. they were clearing and the big boss monster heard that out loud and arcadum is very much notorious for um enforcing that there are risks to your actions and enforcing those risks with consequences because he he cold coldly believes that successes don't mean anything unless you have those actual risks right Mm -hmm. and uh the effect of this campaign of that that move if that large godlike monster reached this crucial vital point was that he would have to wipe that camp last stand and like every everyone's campaign in it and uh, and then he we were talking everyone was talking about it afterwards other players and he's like yeah I would a hundred percent have done it no questions asked and I would have just started from scratch again the the world would needed a, like a reset that was the great fatal mistake of the last campaign right and wow. the current world that he's building is essentially the fallout of uh, a previous campaign that he ran called Seven Days Seven 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 Years Seven Days it was like they became gods and then all the stuff that they messed up. Uh, rippled through the world, and then that's the world that all the Twitch players mm, are playing in right mm, now. Mm. So just crazy stuff like that, and then it just rejuvenated my love for for Dungeons and Dragons. But fuck, man, it's so hard to get a game going. It's so hard to like find players and like a good DM. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we played an IDM just because, like literally, IDM because no one else played, and I just it's wanted to play so bad. It's a hard job. Um, yeah, do you run, do you play any other campaigns outside of the ones that we ran, or do you play? So uh, I, you do play because you were just talking about yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So primarily, I when it comes to D and D, I've only been a player. I've played, mm-hmm. I think, three different oh, campaigns so that have done on average maybe uh, seven sessions on each of them. Yep. So none yep, of them that really like got to any sort of satisfying conclusion before it mm-hmm. sort of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I did however run dungeon world which since we're where we're talking about like different people that make different campaigns i have to really have to shout out uh friends at the table with uh austin walker and crew Mm -hmm. i brought it up before they're the ones that introduced me to dungeon world and uh other apocalypse engine style games Mm -hmm. uh like the sprawl uh which are a version of was a version of a tabletop game that is more oriented towards story and making actions that follow. Yeah. So less math, right? It's less math. It's it's more about your your skills absolutely one hundred percent matter. Your class absolutely matters, and your alignment one hundred percent matters. But it all leads towards what you as as a player playing a character as a role playing mm-hmm. <laughs> character want Mm. to do in that moment in time and then the mechanics are sort of broad and vague enough that Mm. the dm can shift rules around a little bit to make almost anything happen Mm. very little cases will will there be a situation if you have like a good dm like austin walker will say like no we we can't you can't do that like 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 you don't have the right skill for it it's like no you can do it let's see what happens yeah it's essentially up to the uh imagination of your of your dungeon master yeah. in terms of what you can do 
And, and the whole rule is, book for Dungeon World really, really guides that. And, and so does, that's when I started really getting into it. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I ran my own campaign, did like nine Ooh. sessions for it. I had to take a break. We're like really close to the end of it. And I felt like I had four more sessions. But depending on like how things in, in my life go, I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to like end it pretty quickly in one session. Just so I can like say like I I did it I did a D and D like thing and we ended it and everyone had a great time. <laughs> it's okay. I never I never get a chance to end the sessions. Like it, I think it's a really people, good it's a really good end. <laughs> it's a really good end. Most people's experience is that it's if you if you have an ending, I think that's rare. Yeah. But I also think that's not necessary. I think it's it's like really fun even if you don't get a chance to end it. Yeah. But it, it's like the things that I think there's a bit of a trap in D is that when you first get into it especially when you're built you haven't played any sessions you get really excited for the possibilities of like what could happen when you're higher level or you can do this especially when you're planning your characters but all the fun is actually in like the role-playing part of yeah it. like there is some, there is obviously fun in the character building and the tactician part of it but that's like i think that's an accent over over the main gameplay yeah. which should be the the the, the rping when I th- playing. when I think about it, like the 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 the, mo- the funnest moments that I had in like the Dungeon World campaign was when we we just stumbled across different things by accident because right. the players wanted to do. For example, there was one where like we had a really tough session, and I was like, okay, I want I want them to relax, have fun. So I said, there's a festival in this town, and you can go hang out. I'm like, mm-hmm. but we really want to go to 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 like this island that's off in the distance. So let's go to the festival and try to hire a, a boatswain or, or like like a captain of a boat. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, there's a watermelon crushing competition, and then there's this lady. She is a captain, she's like and she says she will pilot boat. you across the river if you can beat her at this watermelon crushing competition. <laughs> so I made up these rules on the spot for a watermelon crushing competition that they terribly lost. <laughs> but then she said, like, I'll take you on this boat, but you got to do like a quest for me. So then, like, think... it ended up like just coming out of this. The, yeah. the, this character now existed, and she's very good at crushing watermelons. <laughs> that the fun part about um, that doesn't come across when you watch a show like uh, Critical Role is that uh, it it means so much more when it's tailored to you and your own actions than when you're watching it for some with someone else. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're trying to broadcast D and D then yeah, you might need something that's closer to Matt Mercer and their level because you're, you're essentially entertaining, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if you're just having a session by yourself or with your friends, then like it honestly doesn't matter how well people act or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it is important that they do. I think RP is role-playing is a very important component of it. But um, the fact that like because you do something usually pretty silly and then your DM rolls a result... And then you you accept the you accept what your DM says one because you had a chance to roll so you had your 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 input in it already mm-hmm. and then two whatever he makes up is going to be specifically tailored to your fuck up or your brilliant idea yeah. or whatever it is that you want to play it becomes so personal like I relate it back to when I go traveling and um I I realized like when I first went traveling I had all these you know world wonders that I wanted to cross off I wanted to see. You know uh, the the Eiffel Tower and the Great Wall, blah blah blah, right? And when I would actually get to these world wonders, dude, they were not. It was not as impressive 
at all because one there's like a billion people wherever you go to any of these world wonders like you go to the eiffel tower or the leading tower of pizza that field is covered yeah it's covered with people right yeah and it doesn't mean anything and then i realized the points in my travels that i care about the most i remember the most are the quiet moments where it's like something that i had just me and this place or me and my friends and this place and D&D is just like that. But everything is like a, a quiet moment that's just for you guys. And mm-hmm. I, that's why this is why, like, it sucks to, to tell someone else your D&D stories. Because you can tell they don't give a shit. As a, they don't give nearly as much of a shit about it as you do. You don't care about my watermelon crushing story. I you don't get care what about you mean. My, <laughs> <laughs> well, I obviously get it because I, I, can, I can see those exact moments happening in D&D. But if you're telling someone that's yeah. not in D&D, they're just like, that sounds stupid. Yeah. Well, for example, the, 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 another story that I remember about that is that I created like this spy that was a terrible spy, and he was disguised as a merchant. And like in order to convince people, he would just say like, "Don't worry, I'm a merchant," and he would jingle his little bag. My group liked it so much, they one of them made a drawing of this character and put him on a shirt and put the logo. Don't worry, I'm a merchant on it. <laughs> Dude, and she bought yes. it for everyone in the group. And like, yes. that, like it means nothing yes. to anyone, but like it was a it's really funny moment because it was like his catchphrase for us. It means something to you guys. Yeah. It is it is specifically attuned to your group. That's, yeah. what, it, that's what it means. No one else can and, like, it was, it's, and, and the campaign was like full of stuff like that. There was yes. there was a guy that always assisted them, but he was like this very tall like wolf man. <laughs> and, and like every time he would leave them and walk away from frame, I would like say like, and then off in the distance you hear someone go ah, because like he would always scare someone because he was so tall, and that was that was his thing. <laughs> and they love the- that. They still make fun of it towards this day. Say so like, don't it's go like off, a- don't go off screen, Louise. You're gonna make someone break something. <laughs> it's it's funny how you are making these fake memories, but they're real. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's a good point. They're, they're real. They're very much real. I, one of my favorite moments was uh, I was playing a group with. Um, I don't think you were in this one, but you know Lucas. Uh, uh, I'm yeah, I know Lucas. Yeah. So we were playing. He was playing a druid, and then um, figures. The entire group spent like something like they're in this desert that had no water, and they had to find a source of water or to fill their satchels because they had to like make the trek across like the Mojave Desert in this world, right? And they spent like eight hours figuring out what to do. And like eight hours in game time and like 45 minutes in actual time discussing it. And 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 then like at the very end of it, looks like Lucas is like looking at his like spell sheet. And he's like, hey, do you think create water is useful in, in, this, in this scenario? So that of course, like it, I, I, I have to RP that the entire group has been because they've already rolled all their like they found water sources they all they spent like six hours looking for shit right and then afterwards lucas <laughs> lucas's character just shows up it's like do you do you guys think make water would be useful oh my god that was, and yeah that's like there's, there's it's like everyone is searching like for water and then he's just like yeah, it's really hard to find <laughs> like, water out drinking here. from his own finger like yeah. mm, what do you guys do <laughs> Or like it's just someone's like just sweating over there, like oh man, it's such hot thing. Here I got you, and just starts pouring water in his head. Where are you getting this water from? <laughs> and so okay, so one thing that I wanted to bring up was um, we talked about the fact that uh, games and storytelling, and especially cinematic storytelling, like 
it does something that's uh, especially important is that you're playing the game and that somehow if you incorporate that into your storytelling it makes your storytelling stronger but you have to like properly incorporate it and like i think that dnd is almost like the um the highest distillation of that theory in terms of like application because the there's no limitations really on what the players can do right mm -hmm. um and their agency is so like complete but at the same time like like their story there is that like pull and play with the dm i wonder if there's any type of learnings you can take from the DD &D world because it's obviously not as practical in, in the game world you have to have no. like you know because here's the thing here's the thing for for when you're making a DD game is depend depending on like because sometimes you're running like a preset campaign or sometimes you're doing like what I did, and like we just had one session where we made up a world on the spot, and then I filled it with stories, and then they filled mm -hmm. in the blanks with with their character actions. Mm -hmm. And when you do it like that, you are a creating a lot less work for you in the long run because you don't have to plan this entire story. And and, and that's generally how I've always been taught to DM is mm -hmm. is this is how you will have the most fun with your friends is if you just collaborate and you come up with on the fly and you don't mm -hmm. invest all this time up front creating this scenario and this story up front which which yeah. which then you can't compensate for all player actions and that's that's what a video game is though right mm -hmm. that's exactly mm -hmm. what a video game is mm -hmm. so you get to a certain point where the benefit that you have with playing with your friends is that all the content you discover is not even just new to your players it is also new to yourself and you're mm -hmm. enjoying that creative process along with them. And that gives you the mm -hmm. variety in gameplay that I think you can't get from a typical video game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The closest that I've seen get to it would be something like Divinity Original Sin 2. Divinity is so good. <laughs> Especially the second one because the then you so have good, yeah. you it has co-op. And you yeah. can split off from your party and be a completely different group. And they're mm -hmm. off affecting the world while you're off doing your own thing. And that mm -hmm. game is... It's such a massive design effort in that all the stories are – it's done in a very traditional CRPG way where you mm -hmm. don't have a dedicated quest marker. It is mm -hmm. all based in, like, vagaries and what you hear people say and what you do mm -hmm. and your interpretation of that, and you go – to the place where you think you're supposed to do but they mm -hmm. also give you a lot of different opportunities and how you want to tackle that mm -hmm. like an example from the first game that's very early on is like ah uh, i forget how it goes you have to get you have to get a key into in, into like a, a cell or something and you can do it by like completing mm -hmm. a quest for someone by sure yeah. buying a key from someone by finding mm -hmm. a key by befriending a dog because you can speak to animals and mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you find mm -hmm. out who murdered his owner and then that yeah. leads you into the same spot you're supposed to go there are so many branching paths mm -hmm. and, and like larian studios is such a master class of doing this they're, though they're godlike they're so pro the like one of the best examples of a small studio's like possibilities. Why? Well, and they're not even that small anymore. They're even. not that small anymore. They're, I wouldn't say they're large though. They're probably like medium size. Sure. Yeah. I don't know the exact numbers either, but but yes, you are absolutely correct. And that is such that is a design heavy game. Absolutely. Mm. Like it is. It is. It is a good looking game. It is mm. not a very sophisticated one. The animations aren't like. No aren't bespoke in every single situations like the they, monsters are the monsters the combat is the combat and it is all very it, 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 there's a rigidity to it right that allows yeah. for that there's a rigidity to the 
investment in in looks that allows for flexibility in the design and i feel yeah. that is an inverse relationship that you find a lot the more bespoke and mm -hmm. impressive set pieces that you make the less freedom you are giving your players because obviously you spend a lot of time in this and it's something that you want your players to see yeah i think that's okay so i think that's a key point and i would make a what might be seen like a massive assertion is that i think that our the rpg genre your typical um final fantasy turn-based rpg i think w was way better back in the earlier days of super nintendo playstation around that era because the limitations on their graphics and this is what I mean by it. Back in the Super Nintendo days, let's take Final Fantasy VI or three to six, one of the old ones, right? Your character three had six. a yeah. Your they're character both, had both uh, the same game. <laughs> I know it's so confusing. I, I it's so confusing. Final the Fantasy one III with Terra, the Sabin, and yeah, 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 and, yeah. and Locke. Yeah, okay. that's Final Fantasy three on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Final Fantasy VI in actuality. Yeah. yeah. Um, there every character had a character sheet, which had a, was essentially a sprite sheet, right? And they had limited types of expressions that they can do. They can put it with their hand. They can do like these like very specific expressions. And the storytellers had to use, pretty much had to use these expressions for every single type of storytelling, right? Like they had every action. If they were feeling sad, if they had a stomach thing, they just, the stomach thing would be like, oh, they would just go into their down state when they're like their, their low HP state, right? Yeah, they would take a knee or something, right? <laughs> But the thing about that is that you as a player, as a, as a as an audience member, once they establish that early on, they can have the characters express anything between feeling tired, having a stomach ache, hurting their knee, blah, blah, blah. All they have to do is tell it to you in the story, and the characters do a basic thing, right? Mm -hmm. Cut forward now to um, RPGs nowadays where, like, people are one... The, the, the fidelity is so high for every single character, people don't understand that the amount of work to just get a character to do one thing is is too much now. You can't have a character where you have like say final, the new Final Fantasy's level of fidelity and you give them that you get them to like give them someone a sandwich. Literally in the old days that's two pixels, pixel art sprites that they have to make. And none of them would include the sandwich. None of them include the sandwich, right? And then the sandwich didn't like even you exist. Have to, you have to like animate the entire body including all the hand usually ha do you know how many, ha how many joints a hand normally has how many uh in in, in a game so th three for each finger first mm. so that's 15 joints plus they usually have a at least one additional joint for each finger for like a stretch and skew right mm. and then you have the wrist so that's Did, didn't like infamous second son infamous second son like just famously have the most expressive fingers because they had like 15 joints per yes. finger or something you like that you can crank you can crank it up but let's say even this most simplest three for each finger one for each joint bone that's uh that's like what 15 or something like that right mm -hmm. 14 to 16 mm -hmm. like that's the entire joint count of cloud in final fantasy 7 <laughs> like his his overworld character had probably like less joints than that right yeah. so the i the, the idea is that because they have to express so much now, they can't afford to... They're not allowed to reuse the animation. To give someone a sandwich isn't the, the animation to shake someone's hand, whereas it probably would be back in Final Fantasy VI days, mm -hmm. right? And that, that, that limit, that, that, that fidelity that people want and crave so much now, that's exactly what would have made Divinity Original Sin a terrible game. If they had that fidelity and they had to commit to everyone doing all this crazy stuff. When mm -hmm. What I loved about it is that like divinity like in so many ways encapsulates how you would translate D, &D into a single player game mm -hmm. or you know the co-op game the way they mm -hmm. do like 
they one the combat is actually super interesting for anyone that wants to get really get into it they have that tactician mode which is very hard made the terrible mistake of trying it that first time around and this i've already is, yeah. restarted <laughs> like fuck it. you can run into a this spider and i'm like okay <laughs> i have to use every ability that i have all my potions throw my armor down and then two of my characters still die like that's this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. game that you start playing on normal and you lose on the tutorial fight yes you literally kill this is the darkest dungeons of it um, but they did a great because then not only did they do the combat system really well, but like you were saying, the the storytelling, the story weaving, is really a, a lot like how you would play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. You allow the characters this initial scenario. Let's take Divinity 2's original like initial scenario, right? You wake up in the middle of a ship and you're a prisoner, right? Yeah. And then that's a very the common... moral wind start. <laughs> yeah, the moral wind, like yeah, exactly, or the Skyrim start. You're a prisoner, right? And that's a very common scenario because it allows the player to learn what they can do, blah, 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 right? And they can meet characters and they can interact. And it's essentially, at the beginning, allows them to play however they want. You can even, like, start pickpocketing people, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a, there's a tie-in storyline moment that everyone has to go through, which is when they meet that witch that blows the ship off. Mm -hmm. or that that sets the ship on fire and then essentially sets you off in this main quest with all the other characters. That's exactly what D&D is. It's like put your characters into a fun or interesting situation, see what they do, and then have a point that you are going to pull them back to eventually or that, mm -hmm. that you know that they're going to be going to, right? Yeah. And then I feel, like, I feel like they do such a good job of doing that the entire time. It's more modern D&D too. I feel like traditional D&D is always, you start on a tavern, <laughs> which... Which is bad, and I don't like it, and I'm glad we've, we've, we, we as a society, I, I, has moved will, away from I will, it. I will give you a counterpoint to that idea, mm. is that a tavern is a bad place to start for anyone that's – for new players. Because mm. what it does is that usually it's a start – This for people that don't know, the start's always like, you know, your characters are in a tavern, and then they all – eventually meet up at one table and they talk to each other and role play right yeah which, or someone someone approaches them with a quest yes exactly so the part where they talk to each other is a great part for experienced D, &D players because then they know they usually have like a character in mind and they have like a like a voice and a backstory and stuff and it's a great way to introduce each each other but the problem is that role playing is probably the hardest part of a new D, &D player's uh like like skill set Mm -hmm. Everyone can do the battle system. It's quite simple, right? Like, if you think about it. Um, but almost everyone forgets to roleplay. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, hey, you guys meet each other. What do you say? And they're just like, uh, I guess I say, hey. And then you're sitting there like, okay, so what do you say? And it's like, oh, I say hi back. And yeah. like, what's your name? And you're just, you're just trying to egg the players on. That's what almost guarantee what will happen yeah. with, a, with a new party. Like, let's acknowledge the fact that, like, role-playing for the first time is the one of the mm. most awkward things you can mm. attempt. Mm. It, 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 and it is going to be weird for everyone when you start out. The same way as, like, doing any sort of, like, dr dramatic performance for anyone that has never acted mm. before is going to be awkward. It's fucking weird, dude. Like, <laughs> I, that's why it's so important to have a good group. Because mm -hmm. as soon as you have one person that's like, why are you doing that? You're, that kills the mood. Yeah. No one wants to roleplay anymore with a character, with someone that's like that, this judgmental yeah. person. Yeah. But Thankfully, I've never met that, that person. I don't think I've ever met that person because... Because <laughs> we know I people that like to have fun. <laughs> yeah, we know people that like to have fun. No, I, that's... Sorry. Incorrect. As my lifetime as a DM, 
I've let me t let me bring you into some of the fun horror stories that I've oh, had. Oh, okay, okay, let's as a go. Dungeon Master. Let's go. No names, but there are certain archetypal, just like there's classes, there's like <laughs> classes of 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 D and D players that I've encountered. All right. There. All right. There's there's the um I would say, true neutrals, of 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 D and D, which is the min maxers. Okay. Right. They will. Maybe lawful neutral. The min maxers are probably lawful neutral. They 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 want to min max. They just want to get the best damage. Blah blah. blah. But then they love the rules because they'll mm. because ex exploiting the rules is what makes it fun for them to be able to like mm. min max. Right? They're not Which there is, for the story. Really They're there for the systems. Yeah. Which like I think that's not the funnest way to play D and D. But I understand that's one category, right? And then in terms of like when the RP comes in, there are some people, some people, uh, who are the who are the bossy people like they I, I don't know if bossy is the correct word but they have they're almost like the um the overzealous pa paladin the you know the they alpha have, paladin they have a uh, an idea of how you are supposed to play D, &D in mind and mm -hmm. they think that you need to play it that way and mm -hmm. then my other party members need to play it that way and they also very often play paladins because <laughs> you know why Paladins get to be all righteous and holier than thou. And the the most annoying thing is a paladin that's constantly like like making your group feel bad for doing like weird shit they want to do. Because if they have a chaotic person in the group, they're they're just constantly fighting, right? Um, the, so you I, need you need someone to balance out that paladin. Like you need yeah. someone that says like, no, f your gods, <laughs> you're getting us into all this shit. I'm the yeah. one getting us out. Someone has to humble that paladin. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's one. That's kind of like the the person that kind of just takes over the the group too much, yeah. and I then just swore on no stream. one gets a chance Sorry. to do. I swore a hundred times. I assumed that we we're gonna be allowed to. This um, is a family show. <laughs> but so so yeah, there's there's that kind of player that takes over, right? There's the other side of that, which I don't. I'm not saying these people are bad. It's usually just uh, uh, the first kind of impulse you have when you play D and D, and then most people learn to like dial it back or more. And the other side is the the two quiet people, the guys who usually have the best role playing possibilities, but they uh, they're too shy or they're just not used to role playing with a group yet. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another common player. Um, uh, another common player is the. Uh, it's like, <laughs> it's like the guy who makes a joke that doesn't know it's not funny. Oh. Right. Like this mm. is a bad example, of course, but there's always someone that wants to play the 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 crazy bard. So that's the you know the chaotic good bard, and then mm. they misinterpret the word chaotic to mean oh I guess just I get just to do the most like hurtful thing, thing in the situation yeah. possible, right? Um, so yeah, th like that one's always difficult to play with because um, it's hard to keep them on track. Mm -hmm. But the thing is with those t people who are like, if you pull them back and they learn a little bit more how to play the game, those guys are often the ones that bring the most like interesting things to your party. Mm -hmm. They're the it's the wild card, but your wild card can't be like like roll a five and you get shot in the head, right? It needs to be like more reasonable. <laughs> it needs to be like like you know roll a one and maybe you get hurt, not like an mm -hmm. extreme death, which is oftentimes what they're what the chaotic chaotic characters try to go too far in. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's like my favorite characters, who are the guy, pe the people who are like the 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 encyclopedias that just like 
they know all the story and they and they like record the music of the people who do the recording i love those people like so much as a dm they, they help your life so much that's like my favorite the librarian type of players mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love those people <laughs> i feel like there's good and bad versions of, of all these people right it's so true. Yeah. There, 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 is, there is a version of this librarian person, which is the, the, the person that will always say what you will describe something to them. And I'll say, like, oh, well, clearly that is an owlbear. And so you <laughs> will be, we, we know that we will have to equip this and mm-hmm. that. And that's how we, will, we shall beat it. Oh, and like, yes, your character yes. doesn't know this. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't bring this knowledge with you. Yes, that's the, um, that's the meta, that's the meta, the meta abuser. The mm. archetype that, that abuses the meta of you knowing how everything works. They looked up the monster block when you said there was a dragon, and this dragon has multi-tier, multi-claw attack, and that only does two D6s, okay? So I know that, like, you motherfucker, maybe I made my own dragon! <laughs> <laughs> and yes, um, you did make your own dragon. <laughs> what's what's funny about uh, meta users is that, uh, so Arcadum has a system in place to explain that. So he's in his world, every um, if you've played multiple characters, it's explained as your soul is refracted. Oh, and that's a key part of um, the lore. Is that wow? Uh, so then, th- there's a, it's actually a pretty crazy moment right now because Moon Moon is playing two characters, one from an old campaign that doesn't play anymore, but they're refracted souls of each other. So then there was a moment where his character now gains all the knowledge of the other character because of a special magical ability it's crazy but then there's this now this even really cool and really scary idea because now they're fighting a monster the the void essentially in divinity but it's called the violet instead like it's like their version of the void that's tr- that's the end all calamity right okay um and then now if the if the violet kills you uh Arcadum says that you get it's called violet death which means oh. that not just your character dies Every single one of your refracted characters will also die, and no one will remember them in the campaign anymore. No. Yes. No. And there are there's there's one guy named Stir who's played like nineteen characters with Arcadum, right? And there's no. lots of people who have like five or six or three or something. So then they're getting to the point of the, the point of the fights now where like violet death is happening like there's always a possibility because they're constantly fighting the violet now and it's so intense it's so intense it's so crazy to know that like everything is on the line because then that means like he has to change the lore then if if moon Moon characters die then every everything that they know goes away because for example moon moon's other character is the one that's organizing all the heroes to this big final fight if his character dies, that character no longer has ever existed, and all the campaigns will now no longer be pulled together to fight this last bad guy. Oh and no, so it's, no! Like, that's actually yeah, yeah. So that he's like, I, I can't die. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my god. Ah, yeah, so that is. It's so intense, dude. It's so intense, and he, he has these roles where it's like, you know, they roll it with um one of the dungeon like trackers that are on stream, so everyone sees the dice roll, and when he roll tells him like. Uh, I think it's one of the older ones, Dungeon Dungeon Explorer. I can't remember the name of it exactly. Um, but when he like asked the the, the player, Dungeon he's like, ex- "I don't know what it is. Dungeon Explorer is such a Zombocom era of, of <laughs> names." I think I think it's an old old. I think it's an open source one. So that's so it might be it. Um, but when he asked one of his PCs, they're like, "You know, are you sure you want to do this? If if you roll." 
and you lose this role, your character will violet die. And, th- and this one guy's like, listen, that's what my character would do. Like, he's like a her- hero, and it's like, it's the most animated moment of all time. Oh, it's Even so if good. people for- will forget me, I will remember <laughs> what I did in this moment. He, 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 uh, oh, oh, you know, so do you, have you ever followed the Abridged series? Like, any of the Abridged series? Like, Dragon oh, Ball Z like Abridged? Oh, like, DBZ Abridged, Yu-Gi-Oh Abridged, yeah. yeah, hell so, yeah. So, uh, uh, I fist bumped those people. <laughs> The guy who plays Joey and multiple other characters in the yeah, Bridge he's the guy is in the campaign. With. Yeah, he's in, he's in the campaign. <laughs> nice, it's so funny, dude. <laughs> oh god, uh, and uh, he was saying that like in the next his next character, he wants to uh, role play as a character with a Brooklyn accent, <laughs> like Joey. It's so okay, funny, Kaiba. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh man, um, you can't beat my Brooklyn rage. <laughs> I can't do it. I wish I had a Brooklyn accent. I'm I'm terrible with accent accents. That was my just go just go one. listen to um uh, what's his name the politician Bernie Sanders for a bit. What he has accents? Have you not heard Bernie Sanders' accent? No, I well I didn't know he does. Wait, he has an accent or he does? He, he has he has an accent. Oh, like like yeah, Seth that, Myers yeah. makes fun of it all the time. He say he sounds like like an old grocery store owner dealing with millennials. <laughs> Sam. He does have that. What a tragedy! Line, but... I guess you're gonna have to buy ordinary arugula now. <laughs> hey, you can do that, like, um, uh, like old grandma that, like, from Brooklyn that wants to help you. Like, <laughs> do you know that voice I'm talking about? No, I don't think I do. Okay, no, I'll I'll send it to you. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So the campaign, it's 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 so interesting, and it's gotten me uh, super hyped to like set up my own campaign i'm so desperate to play again and this time i'm so close i'm gonna be able to like actually be a player oh oh my first time being a player it's gonna be so exciting (laughs) um yeah so that's pretty much all i had about it's not your first time being a player i have only played maybe one session as a player in an an arc what what about in our in, in our game that we did Briefly. Oh no, that's right. We had one where um that okay, we had like three sessions actually, I think. So okay, yeah. bumped up to four think, sessions as a player. Like, this is the problem when you do D and D sessions with with, with your company because people yeah. leave. People, people leave. leave the company, and then yeah. you they're and like, then well, you, you can't come back in the building. So mm. yes, that that was essentially what happened. I actually <laughs> after I left that company, I wasn't able to play D and D with you guys anymore. It sucks. Oh, so Us. sad. Yeah. Uh, that was actually really really fun. Um, Richard's an amazing DM. Absolutely, like, really that was that was really it. fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I correct myself. Uh, this is be my second real chance to play as a player. The first one mm. was one campaign that didn't work, and then this one, the other one was that campaign. So yeah, yeah. Very 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 excited. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Oh, there's one more thing. Is like uh, you mentioned that um, that. Uh, what was that dungeon world that you were playing? Was that the dungeon the world? Yeah, yeah, dungeon world. Spinoff from they Apocalypse s- World. Yeah, they simplified the combat, and I think that that's not necessarily a bad idea. Even like that's what that's what Fifth Edition essentially had to do is that they simplified mm. the combat so that it's much more approachable, and and that and that really did help like the entire community. And I think I can't remember who made this point, but it, it's like it's fun. It's great because when you simplify it. It brings more people in, and the dungeon master can just add homebrew on top of it to make it more complicated, up to the point that he likes. But it's very hard to over, to hard to simplify things when the the base content's more complicated. Yeah. Dungeon um, World has systems for you adding your own actions and your own roles into it. 
And because okay. literally every single role, there is six or seven base type roles that are stuff like parlay or volley for any sort of range attack or right. um, hack and slash, which is any sort of fighting attack. And uh, there's, there's, there's sections like that. And then mm-hmm. every single one of uh, uh, anything you want to do kind of falls into those categories. And then augmenting those are your abilities as a character. And each one of them says, uh, like, oh, you take this two plus this much bit modified by your wisdom, and then you roll a hack and slash roll. So, like, okay. it all comes back to those basic ash- actions, but your yeah. abilities all are augments and modifiers and status effects okay. that are applied via those rolls. And then depending on which percentile you roll, which is, like, there is anything below a... A, a six is a fail anything mm-hmm. from six to nine is a partial success mm-hmm. and usually the ability will say like oh you 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 expose yourself to danger or uh mm-hmm. take damage or lose equipment and it's and it's up to the dm to like contextualize that in the story and pick right. a downside to the ability or give them like a a difficult choice mm-hmm. like say if you roll like a partial success on a dodge it's like okay you you can roll out of the way but um that that metal orb that that's the whole reason you were in this dungeon you know it will shatter if you if you mm-hmm. if you roll if you roll with it right, so you can right. take this damage and protect the ball yeah. or you can roll and this ball will be damaged in some way right um so essentially what it is is that instead of uh, a dc that's changing for everything it mm-hmm. uses like a global dc system yes. for the dungeon yes. master and then all and then the your abilities modify that in order to yeah. push it to make it more likely to go above the DC mm-hmm. or lower down on the DC. Right. Yeah. I can see how that's very useful in simplifying things. Um, the only thing that that doesn't lend itself to is uh, sh- like w- one cool thing, but isn't super uh, It's very hard to set up is the, the, the showing the skill disparity between character between characters. You know, like when you're like a level four dude and you mm-hmm. come up to like a level 16 dude, that that's a guaranteed death fight. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Whereas I think that um, that system sounds like it might have a, a high, a, a little bit of a limit on how how far one person can be at like power, more powerful than someone else. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because most campaigns, like you were saying, like run five, like eight, eight to ten is pretty generous. If you get to eight to ten sessions, that's a pretty oh, above average group length um and i think that that system you won't even notice a difference if you only go eight sessions it's like mm-hmm. if you start playing like 25 sessions and you'll start noticing that kind of power differential thing yeah um yeah that's something yeah. we should touch on is like how long these campaigns can be but there mm-hmm. is a a ton of options for for smaller tabletop games that mm-hmm. that you can do in like us even a session or like shorter like things like uh, blades in the dark or the quiet year or so, yeah um so, yeah, trying to think of another one there is one that i actually backed recently on kickstarter so if i did back this it's uh, called monster care squad um <laughs> and it and it is it, it was so interesting to me um because you it, it is a non-combat monster hunter type game <laughs> yeah, where, you, was, where, yeah. where you are you are you, you you reach a town and the town has a problem with these monsters that that like are ascended from from gods right so they are <laughs> these mythical creatures that that like you don't want to kill 
yeah. but they are rampaging across the land and are causing all sorts of problems because they have there is something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And your job is to go through a few phases where you diagnose what the issue is, you brew a solution for it, and then you engage the monster and you try to apply your cure to it. Mm-hmm. And like that's a complete like its own tabletop experience, and it comes with like a book and it's full of monsters and and you read it. Yeah. And, and I feel that's like, that's like a one that's like a, that's like a board game, right? That is something one you can sit down and and you try and solve. But it is also, it is it is not what 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 Arcanum or Matt Mercer or my Dungeon World is because it is purely like it is created, right? Yeah, yeah. you have it's the, a one shot and it's a set story. It's a set right. story. Yeah, yeah. I totally and, understand that. But yeah. but you but but you get it done in, in like you need in like a you need that kind so. of entry level game. I think that the thing that's been holding those kind of games back is that it's like you it's it's a shorter amount of time to play, but oftentimes the setup time and the learning time is 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 higher than regular board games because they're still you like think that. So. Yeah, so I th- I think that the key for those, those those games are usually to be able to set up them quicker, or if they're meant for like more experienced D people but they all just want to play a one shot together and you know mm-hmm. like a, a different mm-hmm. story but i do think those games are key because those are going to be the ones that introduce people over like that lower the barrier to entry to play D. but i think that as soon as you get above that barrier of to entry and of complexity you it's so good it's so good like it, there's so there's enough there that draw you draws you back in um but that barrier to entry is pretty freaking high yeah. like to make a character I already had one person that I really wanted to play with, but then they were shit scared away by the fact that you there's a fucking billion classes and the character creation requires you to jump through like eight different pages of yeah. stuff. Like it's it's too much. That, that's the advantage of Dungeon World too, is that the character classes are super straightforward. And if you mm-hmm. want to create your own character class, they also have a system for that. And that's it is, good. That's and it good. is super it is super straightforward. That's good. That's they good. even give you like recommendations for like skills or like if you get this here you're more likely to roll well in this this and that because mm-hmm. you know it's all mm-hmm. the same percentile so yeah, you know what that to makes focus it really on useful. yeah that makes it really useful yeah you should I, really it's like, tech it's out like, dungeon world it's 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 phenomenal really i it's not that i don't think it's good it's that i want i want the whole stake now yeah. i don't i don't want half a stake and i want the whole whole thing i want to sink my teeth into like the deepest, deepest parts. I, I, would, I would say, I would say, I would say, like it, it's, 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 it's not even a whole steak. It is, it is chicken. You know, it's mm-hmm. lean. It's easy mm-hmm. to cook. It is. Yes. You, you can get yes. into it. And you can have a really good mm-hmm. and wholesome experience in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I get what you mean. There is. I'm there already is, past there that is, point. There's the veiny <laughs> sinew yeah. of uh, yeah, of D and D that you can it's, really get into. And you know what? You know what? I'm just, I like beef, but you know. Yeah. I'm good with the chicken in these situations. Yeah. Especially if there's certain people that like the RPing a lot more than any of the complexities. And mm-hmm. that's completely fine, too. Like, most of the people that jumped into Matt Mercer's like, critical role, they want that experience. That, like, what's nice about Matt is that he simplifies, like, the characters simplify it and make it look so easy. Because mm-hmm. it's just, like, he, he, first off, no one knows, people don't talk about this, but each one of those people now has a person there to help them do all the D&D and all the extra stuff. Plus, Matt Mercer oh. has a camera team. Like, Wait, what, it's a whole production now. What do you mean they got, like, an assistant? They got a D&D assistant? There's, like, someone there to help them, like, first off, like, figure, like, like if they don't have, because, you know, they're all extremely busy, like, famous sure. people already, right? Sure. To, like, help them build their stats, or if not that, something like to do themselves. Like, just help them set up to, 
like give them water, you know, like just to make yeah. the whole production easier. They're essentially I, I mean, filming I mean, Laura, a shoot. Laura, Laura Bailey is the Meryl Streep of video games. So yes, she, like she <laughs> deserves all of that, right? But it's also what, what my point is that they have a lot of help to make it simpler, right? Like Matt Mercer, he, it's not apparent to the obvious person how much work Matt Mercer has to do for that world because when he shows it, it's super presented and it's almost like it's scripted. They, mm. they, they, they bring out these pieces which they've gotten um, you know artists to build large you know dragon sculptures or the wow. just the, just the map building is fucking insane sometimes too mm. right like um, so like there's all that work that goes into it. I think what's Matt, what makes Matt Mercer legit is that I think everyone knows he actually does that work, which a lot of people normally wouldn't right So he actually does all that work. But it doesn't seem complicated because they're role playing so easily, and then he's doing everything kind of behind the scenes and making these decisions, like, in his head essentially. Yeah. When it seems simple, whereas like like the when you're playing D and D yourself and you don't have that kind of help, um, it gets very complicated. <laughs> it, get, it gets like, super complicated it, to the point that people like. If you're really into it and you're a min maxer, they'll just start talking about like buffs like for the entire session. <laughs> like, 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 how can we buff each other? Do you have this potion? I got this potion. I got this cape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, that's that's something that that's like also really important to discuss is, is like how if you want something to be good, you got to put like a lot of effort in, into it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing. Yeah, there is no there's no miracle cure, right? Like like the, the the miracle cure to like making high quality things is to put more people on it and more talented people on it for longer hours. <laughs> I think the whole thing is that it's it's just like a gateway mechanic. Yeah. And that some people might not have like have a certain threshold of how much um role playing or how much investment they want to give into it. And if they want to give a very small amount and they want to play a like a pre setup game or a quicker one, that'll be enough for them to understand what it's good. Like mm. it's like introducing uh, rosé to people who like who, like like wine you yeah know? like it's an easier wine to drink and then it might introduce you to the more complicated stuff and then those who really like the complicated stuff probably won't like the earlier stuff anymore or the or the more simpler things yeah um, but that's fine it's just like a gradient that slowly pulls you into this world which is exactly what uh like a good game does right like yeah that's that's the thing that most modern games have been trying to do is that they've been trying to simplify the front of their game enough so that anyone can jump into it but the good ones are the ones that have enough depth that keep you into it after you've gotten the first basic steps, right? Like there's enough more to bite on. There's more to bite on. And then there is Divinity Original Sin, which says, you know, you know what you, you know what you want and we're giving it to you and we're not yeah, going to go like, easy. If you don't want this, you can go away. But if you do want it, we're going to spank you. Yeah. How, how perfect is it that Larian Studios uh, is the one that inherited the D&D Baldur's Gate license? Oh my god! Such it's a so perfect good. fit. It's so and it's like people don't understand how good this this Divinity Original Sin two is. Like not only is the base game amazing, but the modding community is fuck. It's it's mm. it's insane. Really? They've 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 come up with like whole classes that you can just add in, and then suddenly now there's a character drag there. Drag and drop. There. You, can, you drag and drop. You can be like uh, you can be a Thor like thunder, uh, warrior, right? Get there's, get your tickle hands on. Yeah, there's frost liches. There's like all this like necromancers and 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 umbras, like alternative to scoundrels and stuff. It's so wow. cool that you can kind of expand 
the gameplay to as much as you want. And, and then the story itself is a classic, like probably the most classic D&D story while being its own like thing. It's so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. There's like, you're a god woken, so you know, there's a call to action that's constantly pulling. It's like if you break apart that story, it's how you can make and it's how you can dissect and make an entire D D world that fits very well together. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the call to action is very strong. There's every every character has a a seven god that calls to them. So that brings all the party members together. Mm. Right? And then they uh they're moving through these towns that have their own little storylines and quests, but they're all like pushing t- towards this final goal. Like you know, everyone's fighting the magisters, and you're trying to figure out what the sort the source is, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, the uh, source. So it's a cl- yes, yes. And then you know, there's different planes of existence, and you're talking about what the gods want, and then the enemies of the gods. And, you know, it's so it's so cool that way. Yeah. Yeah. They do a really good job. I love that game so much. I'm going through it right now, actually. Really, first time? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I played Divinity One, which was great, but I also got Divin- super Divinity One or Original Sin One. Divinity Original Sin One. Gotcha. Sorry. Um. Which was great, but then I just wanted to play the storyline first, and man, I got frustrated by some of the mechanics that were really annoying. But then Divinity Two pretty much fixed almost all of it. Yeah. And then if there wasn't a fix for it, there was like the workshop, which fixed everything else for it. Um. So I'm going through. I'm going through Divinity Original Sin Two right now. Um, and I'm doing the, a lone wolf build with two characters instead of four, which oh, is much more fun to me. Wow. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Do, do, do you ever do it? I haven't Have played the... Divinity Original Sin 2. I've only played like the beginning Ooh. parts of original. I, you know me. I'm I'm terrible at finishing RPGs. I love them <laughs> from like a mechanical standpoint, but like I get yeah. to a certain point where, where, where my attention gets pulled to something else. Mm-hmm. So I never mm-hmm. got the chance to finish I, it. Yeah. I've, I've definitely been going back and forth to it. Like, and It's um, long. I liked playing... It's very long, and I made the mistake of um, downloading a mod in the first playthrough. I played Tactician the first playthrough, which was the first mistake. But then it was uh, I made the game harder by activating a mod that gave every monster, every encounter, they would give a random buff to one of the monsters mm. that had like a very specific game mechanic. Like it would reflect all melee damage in one turn, and then swap with uh, with range damage to the next turn. So you have to like play around it. Right? Mm-hmm. But that made the game too hard. So then I downloaded another mod that allowed me to increase increase my party size to six. Mm. But then that created its own problems. And now that there's just there was like a matrix of equipment that I could not get my head around. Wait, why can't you just play the game the way the developers want you to play the game? Too much. (laughs) And then now I'm replaying it again by doing the lone wolf build because it's the exact opposite. There's only two sets of equipment that I ever need to worry about. And then everyone feels like a badass because they're so much stronger. They get like double um, stat points every time you put into anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot more fun. A lot more fun. I'm having uh, a great time with that right now. Did you ever yeah. play OG Baldur's Gate? I played OG Baldur's Gate, but way after it came out. I, and I only played the first quarter of it. I, yeah. I've been trying to like play the, the, the enhanced edition of it. And like, oh, the the, the one because they, they oh, I forgot the name of the company, but they remade like Baldur's Gate one and two, Neverwinter Winter Nights, Icewind Dale, Planescape, mm-hmm. all all those uh, Infinity Engine games. Yes, yes. Icewind Dale. <laughs> I don't think I like those games. Remember, those are games where 
pre-Divinity Original Sin 2, which is the one that got it right. Yeah. I think every and, game and like, like, it's just, it it's just what, 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 what bothers me is, is that basic, like, DND, the D&D mechanics of it, you know? It's like, I like the world and I like exploring it, but then I have to look at, like, that stat screen and, like, the weapons and say, like, this yeah. does between 2 to 9 damage. And I'm like... It's uh, it's the path it's the Pathfinder of of those like RPGs. Have you ever played Pathfinder? Yes, it's Pathfinder a... is the did we was Pathfinder the one that we played? No, no, no. we played fifth edition. Okay. Uh, so to show the, you uh, to show you how much yeah. little difference all this makes to me, um I did play Pathfinder in my other D D session, and I thought we were playing Pathfinder when we were <laughs> which i'm sure to like no. people watching that's gonna be sacrilege but but like well yes <laughs> but but to me it, it's like i could I, I could not tell you the difference between them well the, the the main difference is that pathfinder's character building is um extremely complex in mm. that there's a lot of synergies and you could min max like it's a min maxer's dream mm. right mm. but the problem of doing that inside of a video game is that it's too complicated no one wants to deal with that when you're playing the game I think that's why like simplifying is a bit better, and then it, whenever you simplify the fighting, the game mechanics, it helps build the story building a bit easier because it's a bit more fluid. Yeah. That's what I feel about like um, like Icewind Dale and stuff. Here, here's so. a problem that I actually have with uh, with, with sort of these CRPGs that that do try and do these these story based games and like dice rolls and I, it, dice are magical things. Okay? Dice are extremely magical. Back in the day, little history 101 with Louise. Back in the day, did you know where dice originated from? No. Dice were from knuckle bones. Knuckle bones that okay. we use for divining things by finding truths right. in the world. And eventually they began sense. carved and they started marking dice with like dots and stuff. And then it became oh, dice as we know them and it started being used for games because divining eventually became like a game of its own. Like it became a chance. And even the Romans, they interpreted dice rolls as like when they rolled dice and dice rolled badly, that's just the will of the gods. The gods are who had control of of the chance of the dice. And and, and Mm -hmm. this is why dice are magical still in this time, Ken, because dice, when you use them correctly in RPGs and in board games, they change outcomes. They change your life. They change your past. They change your stories. I'm with you. Where are you going with this, though? You have that power when you're playing Dungeon World. You have the power in playing D&D, right? That that choice that I mentioned before, when you slip and you have to, to decide, do I drop my objective? Do I let it get cracked? Or do I get out of danger? Or do I protect my body? That's a story-building moment. In, in a game, like when I was playing Baldur's Gate, the dice rolls just determined whether I got hurt or not, or I had to restart this checkpoint in this fight. It, it mm. Like, the, the dice were invisible, and they were not magical, you know? Yeah, I wonder if that is a limitation to video games in that. It so, like, is, the way you, I, is, you think about is, video and games. That's what bothers me, you know? Yeah. Like, think about video games uh, if you were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, uh, you, instead of having, I don't know, like a few days to prepare your next campaign session, it's that you have three years to plan all of the campaigns and then the player players, the player plays it the entire way through. Yeah. And they like must have choose to one of the planning. branching paths, right? Exactly. Because the, if they don't, then problem, you're fucked. Right? Yeah. When, when you it's play Fallout problem. and you have those, those those different ways you can resolve the stories, right? And like, in some stories it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it literally comes down to, like, is your skill high, high enough than this? And then, like, 
Yeah. It, it does the invisible so, dice roll for persuasion. And then you either succeed or fail. And if yeah. you fail, you're just like, well, I'm just going to reload. Unless you make it so, a rule for yourself that you're just going to continue. I, I think that's an example of them doing it poorly. But I do think that there are examples, like in, like the one you mentioned with uh, Original Sin 2, of the doing well. So, like, the uh, the, the problem with it you're mentioning is, like, say you you need to, like, get a, steal a key or, or steal some yeah. treasure or something, right? The problem is that, like, games like... Um, Fallout oh. sometimes make the decision as in, hey, do an intelligence check, and then you—that's it. You you get it or you don't get it, right? It's a it's a like a like a choice decision that you make. Yeah. Whereas like the better thing is like if you hide it behind more things, like they have to break into the basement, but then they can break into the basement any way they want. They can maybe RP with a character that will get them into it, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. And then that changes it from just a one simple dice roll to one, it's like, can you figure it out? So that adds the player, like, uh, intention there. And then they can have a series of dice rolls that are true. hidden behind it, right? It's but true. then the, the main goal should never just be, like, check this thing, and then you get it. Yeah. Which, in freaking Fallout, there would be, like, I hated when it would be the, mo the, the most crucial part of the storyline, and it's like, can you make this one check? Mm -hmm. it's like yes or no when it should be like the entire like say if it's a boss fight it should be like based off of the entire way that you got to that boss fight it should mm -hmm. not be you know, mm -hmm. mainly determining what happens there rather than like vice versa right that's yeah. what i think about you know that, what yeah. does this actually extremely well and uh some of them are rpgs some of them yeah they're kind of rpgs uh like immersive sims like deus ex or the new uh, the latest yeah. Prey game from 2017. People don't talk enough about Prey, I feel, the, that new yeah. game. It is such a good immersive sim, and, and like I will always like tout it. Like, this is this is a version of Bioshock that I actually enjoy. <laughs> even, even though people <laughs> like always like talk about Bioshock is the most amazing, I'm like, no, dog. Look at Prey. Prey is a Prey? game that, that presents you with so many options to get in and out of any room, either by by having enough strength to move a box, by having enough mm -hmm. stealth to get by enemies, by having enough destructive power that you can just blow through any sort of enemy in, in your path. And towards the end, you, it starts it sort of becomes a power fantasy, and that's when the game becomes less interesting because you don't have to make a choice. You can just make all the choices. But yeah. in those early periods of Prey, it is it is scary, and it is it is head-scratching. And like you feel um, you're constantly rewarded for, for, for being smart. Prey is definitely like a very slept on game. I felt. Like. Yeah. I don't know what happened with their marketing or something, but like it didn't pan through. And it's a much better game than people give it credit for. Yeah. People get it credit for. Oh, so uh, one more game I wanted to bring up was very interesting. Is that um, a huge game that I would never really expected to become important for the role playing side is GTA. Mm. GTA has a like a ridiculously large role playing community where they just role play, but in the GTA world or some sort of silly world on Twitch or YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. That that's very interesting. That it's just like because it's a sandbox, and I think that's what you need. Is like a if you wanted to make your own like world where it's complete freedom for the players, you're gonna have to just give them a sandbox and let yeah. them do Minecraft and stuff like that, right? And I think that's which part, isn't bad. That's that's part of the thing is that like here's where my controversial opinions start showing. <laughs> that's sort of the thing where where, where GTA and uh, Red Dead are obviously going to shine more because of where they put most of their effort into it. Because mm -hmm. um, those games look amazing. They have a lot of options. They have a lot of immersion potential in them, in their animations, in their systems, and their mechanics. But as as video games, as designed experiences, they are kind of lacking. Especially, oh, especially yeah. Red Dead Redemption. 
which is one of the most immersive and beautiful and awesome sounding games I have ever played in my life. I love that title so much. Mm. I would hesitate to say I like that game. <laughs> well, they used all of their power and resources into the fidelity. Yeah, and to like the, the expense stories. Yeah, of the expense. design, I feel. Well, it's 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 often that trade-off. It's even though, and you know, it's we so talked, hard. This to, is literally yeah. what we were talking about at the start of this podcast. Like, it all yeah, comes back trade-off. to that trade-off. And and what's super hard that people don't realize in games is that they'll see the final product of the game and they'll assume that every decision was actually a conscious decision, when mm. oftentimes it's actually an amalgamation of a bunch of unrelated decisions that just happened to go through. That is that very was the true. Only way to 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 fit all the pieces together. Um, and so when they they probably weren't making this um, specific decision in Red Dead Redemption, they were probably thinking like we need to push one category or two categories the best that we can, and that's how a lot of studios work. They're like, like what can we do this one thing really really well so that like it it it's what we get noticed for. Oftentimes it's also like which voices you have in the room, you know? Yes. Like the leadership is key. It's so key. I, I, I look I look at some systems in Red Dead Redemption, like sort of the upgrade systems or like the hunting systems, and I'm like, I feel like mm. there was only a very small voice pushing for this feature in this game because it is so lackluster and so bare bones compared to the quality of everything else. Yeah. That it feels True. like this this is the thing that slipped because maybe that one voice wasn't heard enough or or or, or like wasn't wasn't as prioritized, you know? Yeah, and that and, is a studio decision to make, right? Yeah, and um, unfortunately, any radical ideas have a, a a poor footing at any of the beginning, just because like the more radical or more out there idea it is, the more the more pushback you have against it. Mm-hmm. Just but like in the in a in a numbers game in a group of a hundred people, yeah. if you have an idea that fifty percent like, it's going to be easier to go through than if you have an idea that only ten percent like. Yeah, and, and like I don't. <sighs> designed by community doesn't doesn't work right so eventually you do you do have to you do have to have someone in charge and 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 like pick and choose what is the things that you're going to focus on and like that's Mm -hmm. that's fine right and and ultimately that's what that's what makes it interesting that that like you go and you play gt gta online and most people are in there for 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 their friends they're in there for for it's like a hangout right the the part where you play the game is almost secondary it's very secondary they just it's something to do it's like going to the bar and you're not necessarily there for the drinks but you're there to with the for the hangout yeah right and the drinks is just something to do while you hang out that's fun and you know interesting and then, and then yeah. someone someone bowls you over with with a monster truck it's exactly like like a bar exactly like a bar <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 that's pretty much yeah that's all i have for it i think we're getting close to the time that we we're getting yeah, right. anyways ah. so. <clears throat> losing my uh... voice so it's definitely getting close to do you have any other non D and D related subjects that you want to talk about? Uh, anything new? Are you playing anything new right now? No, I've actually. It's been very quiet. Um, I have a steady stream of things that I that I will be getting into in the future as they start coming out. Starting mm-hmm. with, with with Total War Troy that comes out tomorrow. Very uh, interesting. Heads I, up, I... that will be that will be free on the Epic Game Store. Oh, so you I, should. I, okay, here's the thing about I said about that 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 I said about Total War Two Shogun or Shogun Two, is that after I played Total War Hap, like Total Warhammer, it's hard. Total for War any, Warhammer. Total War Warhammer, 
it's hard for anything to really beat that when you have like flying mages on dragons fighting hell like, yeah Cthulhu characters so, hell yeah so 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 as cool as Troy might be I hope that there is some sort of gods and I get to fight Zeus or some shit yeah, I, 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 I don't know I Achilles said, is there. It, said, it said in the Bronze Age but I'm not I'm sure I'm not sure how uh how fictional it is Mm, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I assume they probably the pantheon is maybe related there somehow, but ah, uh, like in in but Shogun, it, it, there's religion, but it really plays kind of like a non mystical version. Yeah, of it. it's just a belief. Yeah, system. it's not it's not Age of Mythology style where like Anubis no. is gonna come down and step on your enemies. Yeah. It's like imagine you're playing a Dungeons and Dragons game, but then the guy decides to put nothing magical in there, and you're just doing regular person shit all day long, and you're oh, like, like Kingdom I can come play the fucking, <laughs> I can play the super magical one, or I can play the regular dude one. I want the magical one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that, that's a good point. Yeah. I, it's it's free, and I have like I yeah. enjoyed Total will, War in the in the past. I I'm willing I'm, I'm willing to also it. try it. It's also I'm not Total it. It's also a Total War Saga game, which is like mm. it's smaller scale. Oh, that's kind of nice actually. That's Total that War that that's how long. their their cadence for these go. It's like they do like a Total War like full release, like Three Kingdoms, where they add like a bunch of systems and a lot of big cool things, and mm-hmm. then they do a they started naming them Saga games like uh, Total War right. Attila, Total War yes. Thrones of Britannia. Total right. War Troy now. Total War Saga. It's a called a Total War Saga Troy. So it's it's uh, essentially during the uh Roman It's like era? Far Cry Primal, right? Sorry. No, I was what? trying to I was trying to guess what what time period. It's the Roman it, era. No, it's I Bronze guess? Age, Bronze Age. Oh, Bronze Age. Okay, so that's Greek. Yeah, it's Greek, Greek era, time. Right? Like, like still yeah. that's 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 it's pre BC still. Uh I'm pretty sure. Yes, I, yes, I, yes. I, uh i don't know exactly the dates but i do have a fascination with that era because that era is what set the military standard for the romans who eventually became the most dominant force in like western europe for a very long time yeah which 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 as as people are are, are fond to say where they conquered the entire world in self-defense yes exactly <laughs> i love that you know that <laughs> like whoa bro you're too close let me take over your 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 house and then you move into the new houses and you go to the next neighbor. You're like, whoa, bro, you're too close now. What the hell? I'm going to take over your house and just keep going and going and going. Why don't you just um, start paying taxes to us so these things can go a lot simply? I'll give you a little tidbit for your for your playthrough. Well, probably not for your playthrough. But the reason that the Romans, well, one of the reasons that the Romans are so uh, were so nefariously strong wasn't just because they eventually had a very strong military. That was much later on when they were already conquering a lot of places. Yeah. It was that after they would have these, like in, in ancient battles, say the army is like forty to fifty thousand, probably mm-hmm. a bit smaller for back then. If you lost an army, and either a lot of people were killed or a lot of your army was scattered, that was pretty much it. There was there is no, no way that people could rally and find that much people in fucking villages and like nobles and stuff to go fight again. But there were multiple times that the Romans got their shit beat up so badly, but then they were able just to raise more people through their general population and have another army. And then Jesus. another army. Like, um, the most famous big. one, uh, the most famous one, uh, Hannibal, mm. uh, who is, like, Rome's very, like, notorious enemy, he crossed the Alps, which was a, which is the famous feat. On elephants? on elephants or with elephants and he beat the first army right 
they sent another army. So this is a, they, he destroyed the first. They sent another army. He beat that army again. They sent another army, and he beat that army again until the the next the next uh, general, who's very famous, because his name is Fabian. His whole strategy mm. was to no longer fight Hannibal at all. Period. That was his <laughs> whole thing, right? We're not gonna fight at all. Then four tries at this thing, and then they eventually won. Like, <laughs> like wow. normally you beat you beat one army, and that's it. You you conquer that entire kingdom. But then for some reason the Romans were just stubborn, and they had like a very obviously very strong culture that allowed them to just like raise more troops somehow. Mm. So that's what that's that's the beginning of the Roman army. Yeah. yeah. So did a quick search just to make sure uh, yeah. about things. Bronze Age was 3200 BC to 1200 BC. Roman okay. Empire was 27 BC to like 400. You say 200 BC and then Roman was 2700 BC? No, 27 period. And then no, when was the uh, end of the Bronze Age? 1200 BC. Okay, so, so like it, Roman Empire was a thousand out a thousand yeah. years yep, afterwards. So sense. so so it's a, it's a waste. Of, that... But it's amazing how like those because I have the same problem. It's sort of like a Mandela effect because to me it was like <laughs> oh yeah Greeks and Romans they fought all the time and like it's well, the same time period. But no, it's not. It's not they, at all. They did fight, but then the the thing is that the the Greeks like continued on for a long time. Yeah, um, but and, it's a, it's different, right? It's different. But what's interesting is that the Bronze Age, you can read about this. The end of the Bronze Age, nobody knows what happened because there's no information, but there is archaeological evidence that a massive calamity of some sort happened that wiped almost all the big civilizational players out at the beginning wow. of the Bronze Age. And nobody knows what it is. Nobody isn't, knows. Isn't like a, a thing with like... Uh... Like the reason why, like the Roman Empire ended, of course, with like the uh, the barbarian invasion, but then also the Black Plague happened, which led to the Dark Age. That it's... was later on. So, the, but by the time the Black uh, Black yeah, Plague yeah, happened, yeah, that was yeah, I'm past just wondering if it's something age. similar, right? Oh well, it might be, but the pro the thing is, is that so you know the whole area around Roman Greece is essentially, um, it's almost like a, uh, a a giant sea that has access to the ocean, right? Yeah, Through one parts of it, right? Mm. Um, so. The thing is, they have trans, like some records, but very vague records, and they have records of people um, writing about, like, it's essentially people fleeing and telling the people that they went to flee to about the the horrors that's happening, and it was something. It, it wasn't just a play because they were talking about uh, a group of pirates or a, a, a type of like force of army that swept through. But nobody wow. knows. Nobody knows, and it's it's so weird because you don't after like essentially after the Bronze Age, it was a civilizational high in the Bronze Age, and then suddenly like the, the technological like air like uh, feats were just they plummeted down like yeah. crazy, right? And that's well, I mean that, it's like, it's clear when you look at at just the architecture and the art of like Greece, and then you compare it to 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 like paintings from from fourteen hundred, right? It, it, yeah AD, yeah like the, and it's the, like the, midi, it, it's, the medieval ages yeah yeah it's like it's all lost it's all it's all gone. lost yeah there is yeah so then it's fascinating that bronze age era is so interesting because you, you just don't know what what happened and what and and then like suddenly it's like a giant blank in your memory like the world the like historians had a giant blackout drunk sessions and they just lost <laughs> that memory and they pick it back up during the rise of like the greeks and stuff like that and, yeah this is and, uh, yeah. 
the empty spot is when is when Cthulhu finally woke. And what's and by the way, uh, Persia, Prince of Persia, blah blah blah. That's uh, they're one of the first civilizations to rise up after the fall of the Bronze Age. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So the the Persian Empire was after the Bronze Age then. So like all yep. that fight between Sparta and Athens and all that that was. So that to was give after? you an example, the Persian. Um, uh, no, the Persians were the Persians were still. What's over, his name? Um, Alexander the Great. Yep. You know, his whole conquest is the uh, is the is the period uh, to the Persian Empire. It ended okay. the Persian Empire. Okay. He, his he is considered the last Persian prince or the Persian the Persian king because mm. he essentially took over so much of that empire when he went um, get, like conquering. Um, and then what happened was he died when he was like fucking 21 because he overdrank or some shit like that. After what? he conquered the entire world. And then all of his generals ended up taking over parts of those worlds and forming dynasties from the overall uh, conquering that he did with like, wow. Persia and parts of Asia. Yeah, it's, fa- it's fascinating. It's fascinating. This, is, this, yeah. is, this is me realizing that I, I need to... I am interested by, and I should read up more on history. So we're gonna get a ton of emails yeah, on this. It's super. <laughs> it's so fascinating, man. Like the the whole idea of Alexander is fascinating, and then like his military creed uh, trickled down to the Romans, and that's how Romans the, that's how Romans got a lot of their fighting style mm. uh, was an evolution of the Greek fighting style, which is mm. with the is the phalanx, you know, the the spears sticking out. And shield walls the, shield walls and then the romans improved upon it not necessarily with uh weaponry but with organization mm. the romans were amazingly organized which sounds stupid but it was the thing that got yeah, that yeah made their them legions so much and their centuries mm. and the way that they the, the way that it was told to me uh, as an analogy was that imagine two football teams right one is made up of a bunch of people who are in the same neighborhood and they they haven't played each other for the first time and then they get called and they get they play on the on, on the day of. That is the army of a of a, your traditional army um, back in the day where it's made from farm workers and noble nobles and blah blah. blah. Mm. The Romans had an actual military where all you you were professionally paid as a soldier. So every day you are drain tra- training and drilling blah, blah blah. And then it's like they go onto the battlefield, the football field, mm-hmm. and one team has plays. They're fucking running Hail Marys and shit like that. And the other team has no coordination. That was the fighting difference between the Romans and uh, and other armies that they fought. It was that they had formations. Other armies would just stand there. They're just like, like just spread apart, right? And then, you know, it wasn't until they learned from the Romans that they eventually incorporated those military yeah. tactics. But, and, and and then at some point, you feel like military tactics go like back and forth because then at some point, like revolutionary era it was just two armies standing on a field shooting guns at each other yeah it's it's very it's fascinating to see the evolution of uh like when guns come into play and you know we were talking about the mongol armies back in the day Mm. um it wasn't until the creation of machine guns Mm. or multiple firing rifles that they were able to deal with horse archers Horse archers were still raiding Russians and Chinese, all the when they had all the way through the pirateering era when they had flintlock and steel guns and stuff because they were wow. better shooters. They were better shooters than the the people who had guns. And and it wasn't until the machine and reloading an arrow on horseback is probably a lot easier than reloading a pistol on horseback. 
well, it's almost impossible <laughs> to reload that pistol in time. And what the air with the um, Mongols and they proved it was the Native Americans of like North America as well. They would hold three or four arrows in each in in one hand. Mm. And so if you're looking at my hand here, right? Yep. They would have one arrow that's like this, and they pull it, right? Mm-hmm. They would have another arrow here, another arrow here, and like another arrow here. And uh. so as they shot this one arrow. They would like somehow do some finger trick and then move it to the next arrow. So they were Whoa. able to shoot. It. This is this is this is fact in the in the West, uh, in the Wild West, in the Americans. Eighteen um, hundreds. They weren't they weren't able to fend off the uh, 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 Native Americans uh, tribes until the invention of the six shooter, because they before they they weren't able to shoot as many bullets as the the these warriors were to able to shoot like five arrows in one go and they got one bullet and once wow. they got the revolver that that shifted the entire um the entire kind of wild west landscape and suddenly the 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 westerners in the yeah as as they're they're fond to say yeah perhaps incorrectly <laughs> like that's how the west was won the West was one with plagues, dude. The, yeah. the freaking small killed ninety percent of the population, and then like these numbers that people are talking about with like Geronimo and stuff. Like, th- there was like these Native American tribes that had like maybe a couple of thousand people, and they were fending off armies of like fifty thousand like like colonial. Like, Jesus, uh, it's crazy. It was insane how how much they were able to do, given how devastated that their communities were. Yeah. Fuck. History is a, a nightmare. It is wild, dude. That's what I. That's I. That's why I love Total War because I love like playing around with those kind of concepts and like <laughs> military strategies. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very yeah. they're very good games. They're addicting. Uh, I'm interested in saying it. Yeah. That's so that's so that's my plan starting tomorrow is I have to do it. I'm also playing Shadow of War. Uh, oh, nice. Because nice. I, I never got around to it, and then for some reason I just decided like, you know what. I'm gonna go and and play this game for real this time instead yeah, of just buying and, and looking at it. Orc. <laughs> Sorry, that one orc that keeps killing you and showing up again. <laughs> I I, pff, oh, I, pff, so I, I ran into one of those and he's a real bastard. It's <sighs> so funny how how much hate you start developing I, for these guys. Is like oh. no, I can't just simply beat this guy. I need to humiliate him. And then just wait until <laughs> you get ones that have like really good traits, like they like you can't execute them and they auto like block your parries or yeah. some shit and you're just like you you mother trucker <laughs> and then, like he always shows up in the most all unfortunate time you're like okay yeah. i'm here i'm gonna i'm gonna i scout this captain i'm gonna get him yeah. and recruit into my army then i'm gonna yeah. make him spy on this war chief and you start the mission and then you take two steps and this guy is like grave walker it's like the yeah. friend from university that you never want to see again yeah. and he just shows up and he's like grave walker let's go have a beer like, of death <laughs> like it's no they just keep showing no growl i don't one. want to have a beer with you go away <laughs> yeah yeah well good luck with that game i love that game that was yeah i like I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit i'm like yeah. 15 hours into it and i don't and i'm not stopping anytime soon nice nice, nice. uh nice. flight simulator next week next week yo hype what hype. that game is gorgeous oh my god it's, i don't even know so i don't even gorgeous. know what i'm gonna do in that game but i just want to play I, it i would i would never play it it's too complicated there's no way i'm gonna learn how to properly fly a plane you can do it Look, like, I, even, I, even got, I even got one of these i will see you in x-wing versus <laughs> i'll see you in star wars squadrons that's what that's my thing right yeah i'll see you in was, space <laughs> that was me trying to get my hotas out of the out of the the hotas oh, cubicle but... bro you got a hotas that's crazy yeah 
that. That's but that's uh, it, it, it's that it's that <laughs> it's that one that came with Ace Combat Six on the 360. As long as it works, as yeah. long I I oh, actually got like something's wrong with, with the... the rubber on that thing because it ends up being like so sticky yeah. just from lack of time and it's gross Dude. and it doesn't matter how much Crazy. I clean. Apparently they say you got to use alcohol, <laughs> but then that destroys the material. And I'm yeah. like, oh, do I want to get rid of the material and have it not be sick, or do I just put up with it? It's a, uh, it's a tough I choice. A, I think you put a grip around it, like a tennis grip. You know what? That's probably that's probably the correct <laughs> that's probably the correct solution. I actually like playing with the controller, like a PS3 controller, or PS4 controller more. It's true. It's then you also gotta have the keyboard on the side so you can yeah, because like, you don't have enough configure buttons. your flaps. Yeah, you don't have enough your buttons. fuel mixture. I, started, I tried I, playing in VR, and it's so goddamn overwhelming in VR. You don't know where any of the buttons are, and they're not labeled for some fucking reason. It's just like one, two, three. Man. What do you want me to do with this? <laughs> with it, then the DCS, Digital Combat Simulator, there's like the free version on Steam, and I put that in VR, and uh, I, I I had it like a checklist, and I kept like pulling the VR up just to like check the checklist. It was so and painful, then, like, yeah. And then I started doing a bunch of stuff, and then the computer started yelling at me in Russian, and, and like I couldn't figure out how to make it stop, so I just like I, I I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah, I had that exact same experience in VR. Flight sims are not the place to be in VR. You don't want that's too complicated. You can barely think like about anything normally in VR. Let alone yeah. trying to operate a complicated machine. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. are really enjoying the demo of Flight Simulator though. They're like landing on the Golden Looks Gate Bridge. They're like flying around the world, seeing seeing how how much detail that that uh the it team has cool. put on certain areas and yeah. it, it looks gorgeous some of the it's some of the cool. stuff that i've seen I'm, I'm really excited just to even just put it down to like an easy mode and just fly around just like see like where 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 where, where i was born in brazil right and see that <laughs> skyline and uh yeah. maybe make that trip from from brazil over to canada that that that, that, ooh, that like i made or, or like or like go fly over canada and, and see montreal which I might be going to <laughs> yeah, yeah. check out your, your your new stomping grounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's another exciting things. And after that is is just the wait until you know Watchdog Squadron Cyberpunk. That's that's when we start getting into the shit. My light just went out. Yeah. Um, that's when we start getting into into like the real release schedule. Once you know the Madden gates open, as they say, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's mm -hmm. just waiting for Madden to come out, and then video games can start existing again. <laughs> I feel that's becoming less and less of a thing as time goes on, and you know, yeah, release date yeah. games start being released on like Fridays instead of just Tuesdays. Well, in the meantime, you can watch D and D. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. Play some D and D. Eventually, yeah. tackle Divinity again. All, all right. right, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, you got anything else? No, I'm all good. Y'all good? I'm all good. Yeah. All good right. Episode. Cool. I'm just turning on a little outro music there cool uh i've started to stream a lot of my art uh painting for DD. so if anyone's listening you want to check me out just check out kenha 604 on twitch um and then i stream usually late nights all right and for us you can always come back here and watch us beyond the pixel <laughs>